and welcome to It's in the Experience, an original podcast series produced by the Association for Experiential Education. I'm Sherry Bagley, Executive Director of AEE and host of It's in the Experience. Joining me on this episode are two passionate and dedicated people engaged in creating and promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in experiential education. Esther Ayers, who just recently obtained a PhD in Chicano Latino Studies at Michigan State University, is a dedicated researcher and advocate for mental health in Latinx communities. With a master's degree in interpersonal practice from the University of Michigan School of Social Work, Esther's expertise lies in social policy and evaluation. Her research focuses on Latinx experiences, adventure therapy, and community mental health. With a passion for making a positive impact, Esther is an influential scholar, researcher, and therapist dedicated to enhancing the well-being of Latinx communities throughout her interdisciplinary work. And also we have Shoshana Sumka, who is a leader in global learning, community engagement, and student leadership development. As the executive director of ICEN, the Independent Schools Experiential Education Network, Shoshana works to inspire and support experiential educators and connect lifelong learners through their inclusive network. Shoshana's two decades of professional experience include support for travel and outdoor education throughout the world. Shoshana and Esther, so glad to have you all today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here. Gracias, Sherry. It's an honor. So I know we're in the height of summer heat and getting everything, um, you know, cooking with summer projects and that kind of thing. So I thank you for taking the time. We like to start this podcast with commonalities. And so I know that the two of you haven't had a lot of chances to meet. You got to meet at our conference last November and shortly, but we had a little uh, pre-show discussion yesterday, and I'm hoping we can find some commonalities between the two of you, professionally and personally, too. Well, when we spoke yesterday, we both realized we're very passionate about social justice and being active in our communities. So I think that's one thing, don't you think, Esther? I would agree. Absolutely. I also, in reading and understanding, again, just the, our unique and creative ways that we're talking here is the fact that it looks like both you and I, Shoshana, and correct me if I'm wrong, are the outdoors, the way that we look at it is through a reciprocal process as it connects with like belonging, connection, and healing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my experience in the outdoors is also around indigenous people and, and how people have stewarded the land for millennia and how do we continue to protect the land. Agree. I also speak Spanish. Did you know that I speak Spanish? I wonder if we have that in common. No, I had no clue you spoke Spanish. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. No, no, no. That's a good gift to have. So I wanted to talk to you all today about your experience with experiential education and, and your journeys, your personal journeys, and some of the things that you all have done. And so the first question I have for you all is, what are you excited about right now in your work? What is lighting your fire? What's getting you going? You know, one of the things I'm super excited about is expanding on my dissertation that I just completed, which is titled, We Are Human Before We Are Labels, Transfiguring Testimonials with Adventure Therapy. 
an exploratory study to reshape mental health with Hispanic adult women in substance abuse treatment programs. And so I think of this really as an opportunity as a researcher to present my research, maybe not that it's anything unique because it's not, but really it's about elevating and shedding light on methods that are culturally congruent for historically underrepresented groups. So one way I think about this being exciting is in at AEE in the fall, I'll be presenting on a panel with the Symposium of Experiential Education Research to really hone in on this idea of counter narratives and the importance of cultural representation in research as we look at it from a strength-based perspective rather than a deficit lens. Awesome. Thanks for presenting about that. That'll be great in November. I look forward to that. Shoshana, what is exciting you right now in your work? Excited about what you know what you mentioned in the beginning about this intersection of diversity, equity, inclusion, and experiential education more broadly. So how do we sort of reframe and reimagine the field of experiential education to make sure that all voices are heard and that, you know, an anti-racism lens is present throughout all of the work that we do, what, whatever, you know, whether we find ourselves outdoors or in global education or sustainability, any of these areas under the umbrella of experiential education that we always think about our identities and how that impacts the work that we're doing. And I'm excited at the organization that I work at, at ICEEN, We've rewritten our definition of experiential education to include diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really thinking about the purpose of why we do this work. We know that it's impactful and we know that it matters, but really, is it just because it's fun and, and people are more engaged, or, or is it because we want to transform our world to a better place? And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I think that's a, a- really big discussion point in experiential education right now is that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And and I feel like as experiential educators, we're set up so well to dig into it deeply because our practices involve like active listening and communication and collaboration. So I feel like our facilitators have been doing that type of work for a long time, but now we have more of a name for it and we can really focus and hone in on it. What are some of the things that you're using, Shoshana, to practices that are are bringing that diversity, equity, inclusion piece into your work in a more vivid way? It's been a process and a lot of it is around self-reflection like what have we done in the past and how do we do better in the future so some of the things are around focusing on identity and how our identities impact you know how we show up in a room as a jewish cisgender woman every time i show up in a room my identity impacts how i see things and then also how people perceive me so being aware of identity number one is really important we are inclusive of all identities and introduce each other with our pronouns to make sure that we're inclusive for with trans folks and especially in our work with 
schools, making sure that all of the students in our schools are supported depending on their identities and how they perceive the outdoors or international travel or you know, different programs at their schools to make sure that they're inclusive and focusing on belonging. So those are those are some of the practices. Lovely. Esther, how about you? I mean, your research itself is delving into diversity. What will your research support facilitators doing or, or you know, how, how will that impact our diversity, equity, inclusion lens? Sure. Thank you, Sherry, for asking. You know, I was just looking back at the DEIB book that was recently published in 2022. And in there, I also share my, my own testimonial of my experience. The chapter was titled A Testimonial of Transformational Justice. But I say that to share that this understanding of diversity, it's important, but it's also dimensional, right? And so what I mean by that is we can be looking at, or you can, another word you could say is the importance of intersectionality, that there's different pieces. But really at the basis of my work is I'm looking at race, right? And I think Dr. Nina Roberts did such an eloquent job pointing to the fact, the importance of knowing our history beyond what mainstream form knowledge is. And so a lot of the work, you know, well, again, recognizing that social justice work in EE has been there for eons, right? Decades since the 1970s, from what I could explore, what I see tenants really crossing over with, you know, Nina Roberts' work as one influential scholar for me, is building on this idea of social justice with weaving in methods like testimonials. Another way I think of this idea of building on diversity is like including pillars of social justice and what I call counter narratives, right? And this idea of recentering voices. Solosano and Yoso 2002 came up with this term counter narratives as really a tool to amplify voices that have not been heard and have been dismissed. And so I think of what are the tenants? They're really about building or partnering up with folks who have already done the work, but also tweaking it to ways that it could maybe be culturally sensitive to certain populations or not. But I do really thrive on scholars such as Latina feminist group who really use this idea of testimonial as calling attention to like social injustices. The idea of storytelling and, and listening to somebody's, you know, yeah. personal story and, and, and like Shoshana was talking about identity, I, I feel like that is one of the things that we've been as a community, as an experiential education community, have been working on that focusing on the person themselves and, and where they're coming from, meaning the group where they're at has always been a, an idea of experiential education. You know, you're thinking about, you're assessing your group, but I think now including that, but what about their personal story? What about the traumas they've experienced? What about, you know, the racism they might've experienced or the, the sexism or all those things. And I feel like both of you are taking those personal identities and those stories and really weaving them into your work because that's what's going to make us connect. You know, that's what really, really, when you hear somebody's perspective, their counter narrative, it really, 
somehow it makes everybody more empathetic. And I think that's an important part of all of our work. So sharing, if I could build on that, just, oh, yeah, you know, like this, the idea of trauma-informed principles, right, that are promoted either via SAMHSA or CDC, you know, the one that I really see a lot of importance is like this idea of the last principle being like cultural, historical, and gender issues, right? And how important they are right now, more so as, and I don't want to get off topic, but I think the my point is, is like, it's really important right now as we look at policies across states that are trying to get rid of ban certain books or ban certain theories, right? And so that is all the more reason why this work is pivotal right now. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to shift a little bit because I'm really interested in hearing about how you came to be in your current jobs or your current work and kind of your story of your professional progression. Is there somebody who would like to start? Go ahead, Shoshana. My journey started really growing up in a Jewish family that focused on social justice. I have my parents to thank. I have my Jewish community to thank. And this was something that was instilled in me from a very young age. There's this idea of tikkun olam, of caring for the world. And this was instilled in me at a summer camp. You know, I went to a Jewish socialist summer camp that was very much about building community and, and working together. And I also lived overseas a lot. So it was this combination of these values about caring for the world and caring for others and also living in different countries and meeting people who were very different than I was and learning from them and learning about myself through them, learning about my own culture and learning about the beautiful diversity of the whole world. You know, I think that's the foundation and that's where I learned about different cultures. And I actually started studying anthropology. That was a passion of mine, was learning about different cultures and learning about cross-cultural communication and how we all learn cultures in different societies. So that's really how it got started. And my concrete passion, like the, the moment that I noticed that I realized that I wanted to do this work with students was in the middle of the Ecuadorian Amazon rainforest. I was an environmental justice activist working to protect indigenous lands from the destructive practices of foreign oil companies. And I just had this epiphany, if only students knew what was going on, they would do something about this and work at the source to protect these lands and to keep the oil companies out. And so that's when I started working with student groups and doing international travel programs with high school students. And I have worked with college students. I, I worked at a university for 10 years at American University in Washington, DC, working with student leaders who were also passionate about different social justice issues. And so I supported the student leaders in partnering with local community-based organizations who were supporting different issues in their communities. So, you know, around environmental issues, but also around different people's rights and, you know, working in Haiti to rebuild after the earthquake. So that was really where my passion was. And I was lucky enough to find this organization, I seen that was looking for an executive director. I was 
privileged to get the position and I was able to take my experience working with students and translate that to working with experiential educators. And, you know, I haven't really used the term experiential educators those, you know, 15, 18 years that I was doing the work with students. I just knew that this was impactful work when students saw and experienced and reflected on something a little bit outside their comfort zone and made these really deep connections with people, with humans. It was about the relationship and about the human connection. And so I was able to translate that work into ICEEN, the Independent Schools Experiential Education Network. And we work with about 130 schools and organizations, mostly independent schools, which are private schools, but we also work with public and charter schools to network and create a space and a container for educators who are doing this outdoor adventure, global education, community engagement, service learning, and the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work. And we create a space for them to share ideas and best practices and connect and network and learn from each other. Um, So I just feel like I have the best job in the world and I'm so lucky I get to work with teachers. I mean, really, educators and teachers are the best people in the world. And uh, I just feel really lucky and grateful that my life journey has brought me here. That's such a lovely progression from like you being the activist to teaching students, to teaching students leaders, to teaching teachers. It's the trickle down of, of your impact is huge now. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's such a, it felt like in the moment when I'm in it, it felt like, where is this journey going? What am I doing with my life? And then it turns out when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was the thread. That was the path. I, that, that's what led me here. Yeah. 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 Esther, how about you? Yes, Sherry. So I presented my testimony in 2020 as an Activate speaker. And my talk was titled, Community is at the Heart of What Keeps Us Together. And there I share my testimony with how mental health impacted my family life, but the role also that the outdoors had with my healing process. And so for me, similar to Shoshana was this idea of, while I didn't necessarily have or come from a background that used the term experiential education or adventure therapy, what I will say is, is that my mom, who I consider a prayer warrior, who has now left this earth, really made sure that I somehow was part of a church community. And so a lot of times I, in the summer, would go to a summer camp called Camp Barakale, where I would be in the outdoors for a week. And it would be my first time ever having any type of trails exposed to me, you know, climbing trees as an opportunity, riding horses as a chance to get on a horse. That wasn't something I had available at my home. But yet while I say that, I I, I want to make it a point that it's important not to see that as a deficit lens. I see that as a gift that my mom gave me and that both of my parents gave me. It was my roots, my childhood, the upbringing, the sacrifice of my parents that really led me to where I'm at today. And so, you know, Camp Barakel, again, I talk about this during my Activate speech, was really an opportunity for me to really link up with the outdoors and really find a place of solace, serenity, and healing. And then you fast forward a little bit after my childhood because I didn't go directly to college right out of high school. I started my family quite early. 
And it wasn't until my boys got older that I decided I really, really had this desire, my own, in Spanish, we say ganas, to really go on with my education. We have four young men, by the way, ages range now from 31 and our youngest is 22. So as the boys were getting older and my roles at home shifted a little bit, I had an opportunity to go back to school and work at the same time. But then, you know, things changed and I lost a grant position job. But what that really did is it gave me an opportunity to delve deep into education the way I really wanted. And so I started at the school of social work where I was introduced to adventure therapy back in 2013 or 14. And it was there that I worked at a nonprofit agency under the supervision of Gary Stouffer. I say he's an adventure therapy guru, but there I really observed the power of adventure therapy in the community, with community, and the ability of it being adaptable. I think there, Sherry, I can really say I will never forget there was an aha moment that I observed Gary bringing in, using, weaving in an adventure therapy session with a family. And this family had come from, I'll just say they had a lot of trauma. So there was a lot of silencing, getting them to talk about feelings was hard. But with the talents that Gary Stoper has, he was able to work with this family to help them disrupt some of their silence. And in that moment, that was an aha moment for me because I saw in this family at this nonprofit organization what my family did not, I don't want to say they didn't have access to, they just didn't take, right? Therapy um, was something that just my mom really thought prayer could get anybody through, but the reality is it didn't work that way. And so I thought that adventure therapy was just a powerful tool, and it was something that I really, not only did I observe in Gary, it really took me by a hook. And I could see during my practicum at this nonprofit agency the gap that there was with research in nonprofit and experiential education or adventure therapy. And so it was in those experiences that I really witnessed, you know, there's a gap and how can I be maybe a small conduit to help with the healing process if folks choose. And so I think circling back is how did I come to this job? Well, for me as a researcher, I think it's really about shedding light on not only my testimonial, but really linking up with some scholars such as Menchu and Debray, who wrote a book in 2009 on testimonials in social justice. And really, it's about just kind of trying to understand, yes, testimonials is typically a one story, but these scholars really suggest that, that testimonials is really about advocating and elevating voices as a group, as a comunidad, and as a culture to call attention to social injustices. And so I give to recap and you know bring it all together. How I got here was not only through my lived experience, but it was also observing gurus in adventure therapy and then finding the gap 
and doing further research and seeing and praying and hoping that there's a lot of potential. I think it's just a lot of disrupting silence and being careful how you weave that conversation with disrupting silence with the non-communities that typically don't talk about this kind of stuff. Thank you for sharing. I always enjoy hearing the journeys that people go on to get to their experiential education job or career or position. It's fascinating to me all the different ways people find experiential education and use experiential education. And so that's one of the reasons why we're having this podcast, so we can share these these amazing stories. Yeah. Um, may I add, I, you know, I, when you asked in the beginning about commonalities, I also noticed another commonality when Esther was talking you know, that it was around childhood and around family and around spirituality that inspired us on these journeys. And so I noticed that commonality as well. And summer camp. And summer camp. Yeah, uh, summer camp plays such a huge role in people's lives. So let's take a quick break. You know how you have been listening to this podcast? Has it sparked curiosity, encouraged you to learn something new? made you wonder what these folks look like in person? Well, here's your chance. AEE hosts an international conference, and the 51st one is coming up. Join us November 2nd through the 4th, 2023, in beautiful Madison, Wisconsin, and meet the guests from the podcast. Learn something new at Mini Diverse Workshop. Be captivated by one of our dynamic speakers. Gain a deeper understanding during our research symposium and just have some fun at our awesome socials, including an evening at the Children's Museum. We are excited to gather together and explore how learning through experience has the power to positively transform people in our world. Won't you join us? Find out more info at aee.org. Well, another question. So after speaking for a little bit and learning more about each other and kind of hearing these stories, We've been talking about the commonalities that you all have, but what do you think are the differences in your work? Esther, you being a researcher and adventure therapist, Shoshana, you being more of a practitioner and working in the classroom and with teachers, what do you think are some of the differences? And then on top of that, how could your work support the other person's work? Yeah, thank you for that question. I think, you know, as you noted you know, the difference between practitioner and researcher, we can always be informed by research. There's so much research out there around brain science and around trauma-informed teaching. Like those are practices that we can really bring into the classroom, into the schools that we work with. And at ICEN, we are a medium-sized organization that works with about 1,100 educators. And so we have a really broad reach, but I never know exactly what impact I have on one particular student. So I know that we're impacting the educators that participate in our programs, and that's really powerful. But I'm like one step removed from the students who are really our main constituents. And so I don't get to see those aha moments in students anymore. And and I can only imagine that the work that we do to train educators and work with educators will have that trickle-down broad impact. And, you know, I think another difference, we're really thinking about, you know, what is our public purpose? What is the purpose of education? How do we educate students for a democratic society, for democracy to 
students be the change makers and address issues like climate change or issues like gun violence or persistent racism? You know, how do we empower students to find solutions to income inequality? And we're equipping the students with the skills and ability and competencies to address those issues. Yeah, I think that's one of the differences. And I see your work, Esther, is like really impactful on one-on-one and, you know, really impacting individuals. Oh, this is the hard one for me because I've been a clinician in the field and I feel like I'm compelled between these both worlds. Gloria Zendua calls this concept of in-betweenness. I think Dr. Nina Roberts really shed light, right, on a lot of this stuff. A most current research, you know, article that I, I appreciated they did was in 2020, where they really talk about how we as educators in research, we should be expanding on BIPOC pioneers that were pivotal in our history, right? That we often learn about primarily white men who were pioneers in the field of experiential education. But Roberts and Spears really went on to say, actually, here are some BIPOC pioneers that we haven't even heard of and we should be learning more about. So I think going back to this idea of cultural representation in the work. Yeah, I love that so much, Esther. We've gone back and I seen and redone some of our workshops. We were talking about the roots of experiential education and we are eager and yearning to hear from BIPOC pioneers and and find those voices that haven't been heard. You know, a lot of people want to hear, well, how long has this experiential education thing been happening? And we're like, well, it's been happening for a very long time. Um, and finding those voices is really powerful. Thank you, Shoshana. I must admit, like, I didn't even know D- Dr. Nina Roberts named some names and I had to look them up. So even as a BIPOC scholar, I guess, I didn't even know who some of these pioneers were. So I'm learning wit is what I'm sharing. Well, and that's the idea of back to your original, like the testimonials and the counter narratives is we only hear from the history that is written. So if they haven't had an opportunity to share their story or then we don't have that information. So bringing those to light is is an amazing thing that we all can do as researchers and as practitioners and facilitators. We've seen definitely that resurgence or that, that idea that we need to hear from everyone. And so I think furthering that is great. We should hear all the stories. So what is something that you are looking forward to? I'm excited to be traveling again. Sorry, that was hard for me during the pandemic to be grounded and not being able to, to visit the world. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. I just got back from a trip to Montreal and I'm dreaming up new places where I'm gonna go. But professionally, you know, I'm excited about what we're doing, what we're doing with IC. And I'm excited about, you know, bringing in new schools, bringing in new members. And I'm excited about our 19th annual, I can't believe it's 19th annual Winter Institute. This is a gathering that started, actually, I told Sherry this yesterday, it was started at an AEE conference 
20, almost 20 years ago, where five people found each other. They were K-12 educators and worked at independent schools and said, hey, let's form our own, our own organization and talk about the unique challenges and opportunities we have in our schools. And we're now going on our 19th annual Winter Institute, and we're going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, which I'm super excited about. We're hosted by one of our member schools, the Athenian School. We always do our institutes at a school. And so we get to experience life. Basically, we get to be students at the school for a few days. And the teachers at the host school organize experiences and field-based experiences or through experiential classroom experiences. And I'm really excited about the Athenian School in the Bay Area. And you know, just thinking about what it means to be turning 20 as an organization and what our future entails. It's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Esther, what are you excited about right now? I think on a personal level, while I was in the program, I became completely and very much isolated, right? And so I am reconnecting this summer with friends and family that I have not connected with in a long time. It's beautiful to be able to go back to the old Esther, the original Esther that loves to hug, loves to share, but also needs that time and space away to kind of like own that it's okay to have boundaries and it might be time for a nap. So this summer, I am being very generous with myself and just really allowing my body to recoup after you know, the program from 2018 to 2023. So that's kind of on a personal level. And also, oh my gosh, Sherry, I think I shared, I call myself a pabuela. So for folks who don't speak Spanish and English and Spanglish, I think really is, I created this term that's like a fabulous grandma. That's what I call myself <laughs> because I am, yeah, I have a granddaughter okay. now and I rock it. Like we play music together. We play a genre of music. We dance together. And I often say, tu eres mi tesoro. Like you are my, like you're my gold. And I really mean that. And so I did, I think, you know, again, the, the program was hard, but the, this idea to go back to my roots and center on the importance of family and quality time with family, quality time with friends, but also quality time with this next generation who will be here much longer than I will be in making sure that I'm really embedding in her the values that were really important to me and continue to be important to me. And I think of when I think of that with my granddaughter, it's really about infusing this idea of cariño and what authentic care really looks like for human beings that are around my space. So that's on a personal level. On a professional level, again, getting done with this PhD program in and of itself, amidst and during the pandemic, amidst and during the loss of my mother, and amidst and during Michigan State school shooting, I think sometimes I wonder how in the world did I do it? And I often reflect back on, you know, my mother was the primary breadwinner of my family. And I think it was her grit and her presence that really helped sustain me to the end. 
Um, and so what's exciting about that is the fact that I look back at this little ProQuest thing that just came to me this last week. So it's my dissertation, right, that came in because I ordered a couple small little soft books. And I look at it and I'm like, who in the heck wrote this? Well, sure enough, is my name. That's my <laughs> name there, right? There's no faking it. So, you know, the writing process was so grueling, at least in my experience. But Gloria Alzandoa talks about this kind of theory of the flesh and how writing really you can feel it within your in your whole body. And that's exactly how I felt. And so I think while that wasn't necessarily exciting, <laughs> feeling all these emotions in my body as I was convinced and to finish. I think of this as an exciting opportunity because, again, I'm going to reflect back on my elders that really allowed me and granted me this opportunity to write, but also how this is an exciting moment to potentially merge ideas between ethnic studies and adventure therapy model. Beautiful. So many exciting things to look forward to. And speaking of traveling and exciting things to look forward to, I know you're presenting at the conference. SEER, our symposium on experiential education research, is having a new type of session this year with a moderated session. So there'll be practitioners involved in it and um, researchers. So again, trying to connect the practitioners and researchers together. So those will be new sessions, and that's like something very exciting to look forward to in November at our conference. So Esther and Soshana, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with me today and spending the time. It's been amazing, <laughs> um, and I really appreciate your stories and your ideas. And thanks to everyone out there for listening to this episode of It's an Experience. We hope you learned a little something about experiential education and had some fun. Join us each month to hear more stories and experiences from other voices in our community. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can find out more about experiential education, including our upcoming events, how to be an Activate speaker, hear Esther's Activate speech on YouTube, find roundtable calls where the community shares information and supports each other and all kinds of really amazing other information at our website, aee.org. Thanks so much.